looking in Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to start reading in verse number 27. Uh, there was a, a 10-year-old boy that had gone to an ice cream store, and he was sitting at the counter, and the waitress came over to him and said, uh, now what would you like to have? And so he said, well, I'd like to ask you, how, how much is a chocolate sundae? And so the waitress looked at him, and she said, it's going to be 50 cents. And the boy, he kind of dug around in his pocket, and he pulled out his change, and he's sitting there counting his change. And the waitress is getting a little bit impatient because she has other people that are sitting at the counter uh, waiting. And so she sa he says, now let me ask you another question. He said, how much would it be if I don't like get a cone? And it's like a plain dish. And she said, it'll be 35 cents. He said, oh, I'll have that. So she goes off, and she's not in a great mood, and she just sort of slops the ice cream on there and slides it over to him and starts serving everybody else. And then uh, she notices after a few minutes, the boy gets up, and he pays out at the cash register, and, and she walks over to pick up his dish, and when she does, she notices sitting next to the little, the little plate are two nickels and five pennies. And, and she began to realize the boy had enough money to buy a chocolate sundae, but if he did, he wouldn't be able to leave her anything. Now, it's a nice little story, but I thought, you know, in a sense, that, that reminds me a whole lot of, of the cross. You see, whenever we think about the cross, understand this. Jesus did not have to go to the cross. He didn't have to do it. The Bible tells us that Jesus could have called down a legion of angels in order to protect him, to keep him from having to face the cross. But if he did that, Jesus knew that he would not be able to redeem man. And so he allowed himself to go to the cross in order that we might experience redemption in our lives. And so before there's ever a resurrection, my hope is today that we're going to look into Scripture and remember what the cross is all about. And remember that with the cross, there always comes with it a cost. And I know that we're, we're used to hearing the story, if you grew up in the church... Uh, you, you know, you're used to Easter. Easter is the time we celebrate. There was the resurrection. We know Jesus went to the cross and he died. And we just sort of say it, just sort of rolls off of our tongues. But it loses a whole lot of meaning. And so what I want us to see today is, is the cross wasn't something that was easy. But whenever you talk about the cross, there is always a cost that comes with the cross. And so that's why we're going to look in Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 27 today. And uh, whenever, whenever you take time to think about the cross, it is something that is a little bit mind-blowing that when you understand that the Son of God entered into our world and he allowed man to place his hands on him and put him to death. And so whenever I look at that, I think, well, why in the world would Jesus do something like that? And the reason why Jesus did something like that is because it was, that was the reason why he came here in the first place. Whenever John the Baptist first saw Jesus, in John 1.29, Jesus is walking by, and John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so Jesus entered into our world to deal with the issue that plagues all of mankind, and it is the issue of sinfulness, of disrespect, of dishonoring God. So, so why would Jesus do that? Very simple. Because Jesus loves you. In John 3.16 it tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so simply put, Jesus came here to rescue us because everybody in this room and in this world is in trouble. And we're in trouble because of sin. 
But we can get so used to that message that we forget there is a cost that came with the cross. And so today as we look at our text, I just want to point out just a few things, a few costs that Jesus paid as he went to the cross. And this is the very first cost that I see Jesus paid for us. One of the costs Jesus paid at the cross was humiliation. Jesus allowed himself to be humiliated for us. Uh, look at verse 27. It says, And the governor's soldiers took Jesus into headquarters, and they gathered the whole company around him. They stripped him and dressed him in a scarlet robe. They twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and placed a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews. Then they spit at him. And they took the reed and kept hitting him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, put his clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. Now the Roman governor was Pontius Pilate. He is the one who passed sentence on Jesus to be executed. And whenever he did that, our text tells us that they handed Jesus over to a whole company of Roman soldiers. Now, a company of Roman soldiers was 600 men. And, and I, I, I just sort of try to, you try to put yourself in that, in that time period or in Jesus' in Jesus's shoes. He is surrounded by 600 men. Can you think of anything a little more intimidating than that? And, and those 600 men, they were not there to cheer him on. I mean, they were not there in order to sing praises to Jesus. They were there in order to kill Jesus. And so it was an intimidating situation. And we're told that those men, they took Jesus and they stripped him, it says, of all of his clothing. Now being stripped down in front of 600 men who, who you know are there to kill you, that, that, that would make, I think that would make you feel pretty vulnerable, wouldn't it? But you know, that's exactly what sin does. That is a cost of sin. When we play with sin, what it does is it will strip you and me down and it will leave us exposed and vulnerable. That's what sin does. Psalm 66, 18 tells us about sin. It says, if I have sin in my heart, it says, God will not hear me. If I play with sin and I live in disobedience to God, the Bible tells me that sin, it literally rips the life out of you, destroys you. In James 1, 14 and 15, it says, but each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, the Bible says it gives birth to death. So Jesus stepped into our world in order to be a buffer between you and me and sin. To keep sin from having its penalty put down Upon us, upon us. And so to do that, though, Jesus had to pay a price. And one of the ways he paid the price was he allowed himself to be humiliated. And you see that in the text I just read. If you look in verse number 31, it says the soldiers, they began to mock Jesus. In other words, they began to make fun of him. In the earlier passage of Scripture, when Jesus stood before Pilate, Jesus told Pilate, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. And so the soldiers began to make fun of Jesus. They said, you're saying that you're a king? And so we're told that they, they, stripped, they stripped Jesus naked, and then they took a scarlet or purple robe, and they put it on him. This was mocking him for him being a saying that he was like a king. 
Purple was the, was the color of kings. And then another thing that they did in order to mock him is we know that they took, they took thorns and they twisted them into a, into a crown and they, they jammed those thorns onto the head of Jesus and they began to mock him saying, Hail, the king of the Jews. They saw Jesus as a joke. I mean, wh- why in the world would a, would a man from a little backwater Israeli town think that he was anything better than the king of Rome? So they mocked Jesus. And the same thing still happens today. Jesus is still mocked today. If, if you're a person who, who seriously takes, takes God's word as truth, you're going to be mocked for that. I mean, you look into our world, and if you're a person who stands up for, for values, you believe in traditional biblical value, values, you're seen as a person who is backwards. You know, I, th- I find it ironic that if you're a person who believes that, that God created the world and you don't believe that man evolved from apes, then you're considered backwards. I think that's kind of weird. But, you know, Jesus is still mocked today. And he was mocked in Scripture. Now I look at Jesus, he was, he was stripped, he was beaten, he was mocked, but he allowed that humiliation to take place. He knew that it was a cost that was necessary if we were going to discover freedom from the penalty of sin. Now here's the deal. Anytime you want something valuable, it always will carry with it a cost, right? All the time. You know, physically this is true. Uh, Yesterday our church volunteered at the, the Palmetto Half Marathon. And you saw those people, I, I saw some of those people, I saw some of our people from our church running in the 5K and then they did the half marathon. You know, if you're going to do that, it, it takes, there's a cost that is to be paid if you're actually going to finish the race. You, you have to deny yourself. You have to deny yourself of, of all, the, all the good things in life. Donuts, candy, you know, stuff like that. You have to, you have to put yourself through rigorous training. You sweat. All that stuff, it's hard. There's a cost that comes with that. You know, if you have, if parents, we know this, you know this about your children. Your children cost, don't they? They cost you financially. They cost you other ways, too. But they cost you financially. Emily and I are learning this. We're getting ready to send our second child off to college. Did y'all, did y'all, edu- did y'all know education cost? It costs money. Um, I, I looked up uh, Carolina. If, if your kid goes to Carolina, and then it's, you know, I'm not talking about scholarships or anything. I'm just talking about the, the actual cost. Room, board, tuition, all that stuff. It's like 20, I think it's 20, almost $27,000 a year. At Clemson, it's $28,000 a year. Another reason why you should go to Carolina. So, uh, so there's a cost. Um, I, I looked up uh, Furman University. You know what Furman is? This is insane. It's almost $70,000 a year. There is a cost to educate there is a cost for anything that's good. And then, I, then I look at Jesus and I see that Jesus said, if I'm going to redeem man, there is a cost. But Jesus said, I'll pay it. But what was the cost? He said, humiliation. He had to be stripped and beaten and mocked. You know, and it had to happen. I mean, Hebrews 9.22 tells us, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so what I want us to see, instead of just glazing over the cross, is that when we look at the cross, understand there was a price that had to be paid for. There was a cost for Jesus, and that cost began with humiliation. He, uh, the Son of God, allowed himself to be humiliated. 
But not only that, there's another cost he was willing to pay, and that was he allowed himself to be dishonored. He was humiliated, he was dishonored, and we see that dishonor in verse 32. It says, as they were going out, they found a Cyrenian man named Simon, and they forced this man to carry Jesus' cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means skull place, they gave him wine mixed with gall to drink, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And after crucifying him, they divided his clothes by casting lots. And then they sat down and were guarding him there. And above his head, they put up the charge against him in writing, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two criminals were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him. And they're shaking their heads and saying, The one who would demolish the sanctuary and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. And in the same way, the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him. And they said, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and then we will believe in him. He has put his trust in God. Let God rescue him now, if he wants him. For he said, I am God's son. And in the same way, even the criminals who were crucified with him kept taunting him. So as you see in that passage of scripture, there's so many times Jesus is dishonored in that whole section. You know, crucifixion is one of the most cruel ways you could put somebody to death. The the Romans, they they truly were, they were experts in death. They knew how to prolong it, they knew how to make it painful. When a person went to the cross, and of course you you know this because we've seen it before, uh, you you know that Jesus, he would have been put up on on a beam and his hands would have been spread out and they would have driven nails through his, more than likely, through his wrist, so that when he hung, it did not tear through his hands. And they would have taken nails, and they would have driven it, and they now believe that the, the nails were driven through basically like the ankles, through each side, on the sides of the, on the cross. And his knees would have been bent. Now, they did this, and whenever you died on the cross, you didn't die because of nail wounds. The way you died was, was through asphyxiation. Now at the beginning, whenever you are just hung on the cross, you still have some strength. And so to breathe, your hands are up here, so you had to pull yourself up to get air into your lungs. But after you've been hanging there for a long period of time, you begin to get tired. And it becomes harder and harder to lift up to breathe. And eventually what happens is the person would become too tired to lift up anymore, and they would simply suffocate to death. That's what happened to Jesus. And then you think about Jesus, you think, why, why did that happen? You know, why, why, would, why would Jesus die like that? Because we know this about Jesus, he was perfect. He didn't mess up, didn't sin, he was not ungodly. We're told in Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tested in every way as we are, yet, it says, without sin. Luke 23, 4 tells us that, that even Pontius Pilate, when he was sen- sentencing Jesus to death, he, he, th- he was innocent. Well, listen to what he said. It says, Pilate then told the chief priest in the crowds, I find no grounds for charging this man. But even though there was no legitimate or real evidence against Jesus, they hung him on a cross anyway. And they began to dishonor him. The soldiers, they stripped him of his clothes. It says they took his garments 
and they gamble for his clothes. So again, he's, he's stripped naked again. They were dishonoring him. The religious leaders of the day, they were dishonoring Jesus. You know, as, as you read through that text we just read, they were walking by him and saying, he said that he could tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. Then he ought to be able to get off the cross with no problem. So, you know, if, if you're really the son of God, let God rescue you if God wants you. And if he does it, then we'll, we'll believe in you then. I, mean, I thought it was this strange. Even the guys being crucified next to Jesus, they got in on the act. Like, what's up with that? And they begin to taunt Jesus. They're dying next to Jesus, and they're, they're taunting Jesus. And then the whole deal was they were taunting Jesus because they were doing whatever they can to dishonor him because they did not want people to follow Jesus. The religious leaders were upset because Jesus was displaying the power of God in his living and his teaching and his healing. And he was drawing attention away from them to him. So they, they were jealous. The Romans... I mean, theirs was a little, more, a little more practical. You know, they're a long ways away from Rome, and they're trying to do whatever they can to keep the peace where they are ruling. And so they were willing to sacrifice one man instead of to go out into all-out war. And so they dishonored Jesus because of convenience. And then I, I look at that, and I think, I wonder how many times I dishonored Jesus because of convenience. I wonder how many times that you and I, we will... We will set the things of God to the side because if we don't, then it's, then it's a little more difficult in the way that we live. See, the cross, the cross was costly. It cost Jesus. and he was, he was willing to pay the price of humiliation. He was willing to pay the price also of being dishonored. But then here's the last thing I want you to see. There's another cost, and that is the cost of rejection. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price of rejection. In verse 45, it says, From noon till three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, fixed it on a reed and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And then it says, suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary in the temple was split in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. Okay, that's very significant. But what we're going to see is Jesus said there's a cost with the cross. He allowed himself to be stripped, beaten, mocked. We see that he allowed himself to be dishonored. But probably the most difficult and interesting one of them all is Jesus was willing to pay the price of rejection. And when I talk about being rejected, I'm not talking about just me and you rejecting Jesus. The soldiers or the Jewish leaders, all of the world rejecting Jesus, he was rejected by God. If you look in verse 46, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That word forsaken means abandoned. Jesus is calling out to God as he's on the cross, God, why have you abandoned me? And again, you look at that and you think, why, why would God, why did he abandon Jesus? It wasn't because he'd done something wrong. You know, we already know Jesus was innocent. We know that he lived a perfect life. 
It's not because God looked at him and said, well, I wanted you to fulfill this, but you failed me in your mission. Jesus did not fail in his mission. As a matter of fact, as Jesus is on the cross, he is fulfilling his mission. He's doing exactly what he said he came to do. We're told this in Matthew 20, 28. Jesus, as the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what's the deal? He said, Jesus, uh, God, God, uh, Jesus said, God, you've abandoned me. What, so what's the deal? Here's what's happening. When Jesus went to the cross, he went there to be our sacrifice, so he took the sin, past, present, and future, and he said, put it on me because I can pay for it. And so he took our sin upon himself, as he's on the cross. He is being a sacrifice for sin. Now God, because of who he is, he is holy, he is perfect, he does not mess with sin. And so as Jesus takes on sin, God turns away, not from Jesus, but he's turning away from the sin that Jesus is carrying. His entire life, Jesus has been in perfect communion with God, but when he goes to the cross, he knows there is a cost. And that cost is rejection. That cost is for God to turn his face away from Jesus. Now let, let me ask you a question. Have, have you ever experienced rejection before? And if you have not, you will. If you have, you know what it feels like. Now I can give you a real just a little simple example of rejection. When I was in seventh grade, I had a basketball goal set up in our driveway, and I was going to try out for our junior high basketball team. You can see it, can't you? And so I was excited. Man, I practiced all summer. I practiced in the fall. I was so short, and I, mean, I was like, man, I'm going to make it. And my dream, I would just envision myself trying out, dunking the ball, saying, how can you keep a guy like me off the team? And so I could do that when the, you know, when the goal was like at six feet. So anyway, I'm trying out for the team. And, and back in those days, they, had, they cut people. And so we would have tryouts at 6.30 in the morning before school, and there's going to be three cuts. There's so many of us trying out, so we go out there, and I'm trying out. I made the first cut. I made the second cut. And we all know third cut comes. Guess who gets cut? Yay, me. I get cut. Now, I've been trying so long. And when that happened, man, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken. I was embarrassed. I mean, how do you try out for three days? And you go back to class, and, hey, did you make the team? Well, I would have made it, but my coach is an idiot. You know, it's that kind of a thing. And so, but I was heartbroken. Now, I'm, in the big scheme of things, being cut in seventh grade on a basketball team, it's, y'all, it's, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's really not. But here's what's interesting. After all these years, I still remember it. I still remember that feeling. That's how I identify with Michael Jordan. Y'all know he was cut in ninth grade. Anyway, so I, but I remember the feeling of rejection. Now, here's what's interesting to me about Jesus. Jesus chose to be rejected. He chose it. Why would he choose that? Because unless he was rejected, then he wouldn't be carrying our sin. And guys, if he's not carrying our sin, guess who's not experiencing redemption? Me and you. This is, what, this is why the cross is necessary. 
why it's so important. Isaiah 59.2 says, but your iniquities have built barriers between you and your God. Iniquities is sin. And your sins have made God hide his face from you so that he does not listen. So Jesus took our sin upon his shoulders so that we would not be forever rejected by God. So what came out of all this? Well, if you go down to verse 51, this is where it says something kind of interesting. It seems kind of obscure. It says that there was an earthquake and there was a, a curtain that was in the temple that split from top to bottom. Okay, good. Now, what does that mean? Okay, here's, here's what it means. In the temple, you know the temple, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. Have you all heard of the Holy of Holies before? Because you've watched Indiana Jones, right? So there's the Holy of Holies, and there's this big curtain that separates it from the rest of the temple. God said, my presence will dwell in the Holy of Holies. It's where the Ark of the Covenant is. It's where God would dwell. Nobody entered into the presence of God except for the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement. He would go in there to make sacrifice, to make atonement for the sins of his people once a year. That's it. So when Jesus dies on the cross, an earthquake happens, and that veil that separates God from man is split. So what does that mean? It means Jesus was saying, I've paid it. I've paid for your sin once and for all, for all time. Which means that now you and me can enter into the presence of God on our own. That's why Jesus paid the price. Now, you know, it's so easy for us to get so familiar with the story of the death and the resurrection of Jesus that it just it doesn't really mean a whole lot. We know it's significant, but we just sort of talk about it like just, it's no big deal. No, there's a cost that came with the cross. And Jesus was humiliated, and he let himself be. I look in our text, I see not only was Jesus humiliated, he was also dishonored. The son of God. And he allowed himself to be dishonored. And then he was rejected. Now that's significant, but that's, that's what comes with the cross. But Jesus paid that price because he found you worth it. Isn't that amazing? The cross is because you're worth it to Jesus. Now here's the question for us. Do we find him worth it to serve him? Do we find him worth it to honor him? Do we find him worth it to live for him? Do we find him worth it to place our faith in him and to reject the world and to follow Jesus. See, the cross, the cross is not cheap. Our salvation, our acceptance by God did not come freely. It came at a cost. And so that's why every year, right before Easter, we take the Lord's Supper. And it's for believers, for those who have in, in, who place their trust in Jesus. In just a few moments, our band's going to come up, and I'll pray, and then we're going to stand. And those of you who are followers of Jesus, there's tables in four different places, and you can stand up, and you'll walk back there, and you're going to pick up a piece of bread, and you'll eat it, and you'll pick up the juice, and you'll drink it. And the reason why we do that is before we came to the cross, 
Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples. And you remember that he took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the wine and he said, this is my blood, which has been given for you, been shed for you. He said, you take it, you drink it, and do this in remembrance of me. So as we take the Lord's Supper, here's what we're doing. We are remembering the cross. And as you take the Lord's Supper, one of the great things about this is it's something tangible that we can do where you're saying, Jesus, I honor you. I respect you for what you have done for me. Now, there might be some of you, and you say, you know what, I, I have not followed Jesus. I've never surrendered myself to his leadership. You, you, leadership, you can, you can do that today. And when I pray, as I'm praying, you can just talk to the Lord on your own. You can say, Jesus, I, I believe in you. Lord, you found me worth it to pay the price for me at the cross. Lord, I, I am saying that I find you worth it for me to follow you, to live for you. And I ask you to forgive me, to save me. You know, the cross is costly, but Jesus paid it because you're worth it.